It is our submission that there is and was no duty on South Africa to arrest Mr. Abashir. Your Honours, we have showed above that there was no duty on South Africa to arrest and surrender Mr. Abashir. However, even if such a duty did exist, it is our submission that a referral to the UN Security Council and or the Assembly of States parties would be unwarranted and unnecessary. In judgment of the Appeals Chamber in August 2015, in relation to the Kenyatta Met on cooperation, <clears throat> the court affirmed that a referral need not be intended to cast a bad light on the state that has not complied. We submit that the only purpose, the only purpose that would be served by referring South Africa to the Assembly of States parties and or the Security Council would be to cast it in bad light. That is the only purpose. The Appeals Chamber considered that a referral is not an automatic consequence. It must be after the exercise of discretion by the Chamber. In exercising this discretion, the Chamber should consider all the facts and circumstances. Now, a key factor that the Office of the Prosecutor addresses in its submission is whether a referral would provide an incentive for cooperation. At paragraph 97 of its submission, the OTP suggests that a referral would foster and promote future cooperation. But empirically, this is just not the case. It's just not true. There have been a raft of referrals, none of which have fostered cooperation. It is our submission that only a clear legal position, because at this point there isn't a clear legal position, only a clear legal position would foster cooperation. And perhaps, members of the chamber, the time has come for the Chamber to reconsider what has, up to this stage, since Malawi and Chad, been an automatic referral of cases of non-cooperation. It's worth recalling here that most of the cooperation requests that have resulted in referrals have concerned Mr. al-Bashir, a sitting head of a non-state party. We cannot and must not continue to do the same thing, hoping for different results. But for South Africa, the political and diplomatic complexities also arise because of a multiplicity of factors, including the leading role of peacemaker that we play on the continent. Our commitment to peacemaking, to peacekeeping, is tangible. It's not academic. In the light of the above, we pray for the following, that the Chamber find that South Africa did not act contrary to its obligations under Article 87 and 89 of the Rome Statute, and that this matter uh, not be referred to either the Assembly of States Parties or the Security Council. South Africa further requests the Chamber to obtain an authoritative interpretation of UN Security Council Resolution 1593 from the UN Security Council, including by calling upon the UN Security Council to request the International Court of Justice for an advisory opinion in terms of Article 96.1 of the UN Charter. In the alternative, should the Chamber find that South Africa did indeed violate Article 87.7 of the Rome Statute, South Africa requests that the Chamber granted leave to the, to the Appeals Chamber for the purposes of a final determination of the legal questions raised in this submission.
South Africa is not the first to face the music. Uh, it's just the only one that has taken uh, South Africa itself that has taken it this far. In the past, where countries, for example, uh, Chad, Djibouti, Malawi, have received Al-Bashir and where they have been asked to submit their written reasons as to why they did so, they submitted those reasons and um, the, the pretrial chamber then gave a ruling either on non-compliance um, or accepted their reasons as they did in the case uh, for Nigeria. So this isn't the first time. The only distinction here is that when South Africa was requested to give reasons um, in 2015, they instead asked that, it, uh, that they be allowed to postpone giving reasons until they had exhausted a local uh, process which they did. So they went to the High Court, appealed to the Supreme Court of Appeal, um, and then later uh, didn't proceed with the appeal to the Constitutional Court. And both the High Court and the Supreme Court of Appeal essentially rejected most of the arguments and said that, in fact, South Africa or the South African executive did have an obligation to to arrest al-Bashir, at least in terms of domestic law here in South Africa. Uh, and their decision in November last year to not proceed with the uh, Constitutional Court appeal then means, at least in South Africa, the position for now remains that South Africa should have arrested um, al-Bashir. Well, so, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, um, I tried to make it simple. No, you did a, a beautiful a job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. But what I will do is, is tell us what censure that uh, countries like China, Djibouti, Malawi, Nigeria uh, had. I mean, how, how were their written responses uh, received? Mm-hmm. So eventually, which is what the South African government does not want, is the, the countries were referred to the Assembly of State Parties and then also to the UN Security Council. Both those bo- bodies didn't uh, actually come out much in terms of strong sanction. Um, what did come out was essentially both from the Assembly as well as the UN Security Council statements to the effect that um, those countries should have uh, met their obligations and, and, and that, in fact, uh, by not doing so, they are you know, essentially allowing for a fugitive to carry on, but not much in terms of actual sanctions. Whereas, um, like I pointed out, the, the case with South Africa is a little bit different in the, in the sense that had they submitted their written reasons and it had followed the same processes in, in the past, then we wouldn't be where we are today. Instead, mm-hmm. South Africa chose uh, to take up the fight. Um, and, and, and what the South African government is trying to establish here is um, what should be, I suppose, the, the rules of engagement um, going forward. So South Africa is saying we were right um, in not arresting al-Bashir because why should we? Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, this obviously, like I pointed out earlier, this comes at a time where both the High Court and the Supreme Court of Appeal have disagreed with those arguments. Yes, in those terms, I mean, it strikes, it almost, it almost sounds as if it's nonsensical because um, if the, the, the Supreme Court of Appeal in our country, we, we've fallen to stop short of the Constitutional Court, of course, uh, at, at this stage, ha- have made a ruling um, and South Africa is now on a, an international level trying to, I guess, argue against that ruling uh, in the international level. How do, we, how do we combine these, um, these laws we, fa- we observe as a country 
and internationally because uh, some of the arguments I understand that have been advanced by uh, Professor Cloudy is in fact that the country doesn't have an obligation uh, to arrest uh, um, al-Bashir. How do they argue that? Right. So uh, domestically what they were arguing was both that um, nationally they don't have an obligation and also internationally they don't have an obligation. What the High Court and the Supreme Court of Appeal basically said was, well, we don't rule necessarily on what happens at international level. So what they ruled on was whether or not South Africa should have arrested al-Bashir locally. So what South African government has done now is they've taken the fight out of the national sphere to the international level. So what they're saying is, okay, so domestically we were told well, you should have arrested. But at international level, at the International Criminal Court, um, do we have an obligation there? So they're speaking about an international law obligation, not a domestic law obligation, even though those two things are complementary. And just to, to, to remind the listeners as well, the South African Constitution essentially incorporates a provides for the incorporation of international law as domestic law in the country, right? Um, And that was done specific to the Rome Statute in terms of an implementation of the Rome Statute Act in 2002, as well, incidentally, um, the Diplomatic Immunities Act as well. So those are international laws that have been domesticated in South Africa. So it's interesting that in the arguments that were presented earlier today, the focus was singularly on international um, law, but also quite interesting, which wasn't really advanced here locally, is it was actually, the arguments were actually about international politics. So they were about the UN Security Council and how it functions, and they were about whether or not they should be sanctioned by a judicial body where the UN Security Council didn't necessarily impose an obligation on South Africa to to arrest all this year.